Section 18 of The Age of the Condottieri by Oscar Browning. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 8 Charles the Eighth in Italy. Part 2. Charles passed the Mont Genève on September 2nd and entered Piedmont on the following day. His army was composed of 90,000 men, his navy of 450 ships. His most formidable arm, the artillery, was drawn by light horses instead of the oxen of the Italians, and was furnished with movable carriages. It is difficult to exaggerate the importance of this event. It was a new attempt to conquer Italy by a foreign force after a lapse of many years. It was very different from those expeditions of the German emperors to be crowned at Rome, with which the Italians were familiar. To the French, it was the discovery of a new land. They knew nothing of the wealth of art and culture with which Italy had adorned herself during two hundred years. The leader of the expedition was a weak, ill-shapen young man of twenty-two, who seemed incapable of commanding so brilliant an army. But his was only the arm to execute. The head, which planned and directed the exploit, was that of Ludovico il Moro. Charles entered Asti on September ninth, fourteen ninety four. The Cardinal Giuliano and the Duke of Ferrara were awaiting his arrival. Thither came the Duke of Orleans to bring news to his cousin of his recent victory over the Aragonese fleet, and thither came also the usurping Duke of Milan and Beatrice, his wife. Here the king fell suddenly ill. However, in a few weeks he recovered and after visiting his ally the Marquis of Montferrat at Casale, came to Pavia, where on October 14th he visited the unfortunate John Galeazzo on his bed of sickness. The Duke was hot with fever, racked with a consuming cough, and evidently near his end. He recommended to the king his young son Francesco Sforza, Count of Pavia, However much the entreaties of the unfortunate young man and of his wife, Isabella, may have touched his heart, it did not change his policy. He was with the Moor at Piacenza when a week later he heard of the death of John Galeazzo, perhaps poisoned by his uncle. Ludovico hastened to Milan, where he secured his election as Duke. The Pope, the King of Naples, and Piero de' Medici in vain attempted to rouse Venice to action she preserved a complete neutrality and refused to lend the king fifty thousand ducats even at the request of philippe de comines as the army passed through the romagna the camps of the french and the aragonese were always one in advance of the other but the only engagements were insignificant skirmishes catarina sforza lady of imola declared for the french the French now entered the Apennines by the pass of Pontremoli, at the southern foot of which stood the fortified town of Sarzana, which belonged to the Florentines. Piero Caponi had, when he was sent as ambassador to France, advised the Medici to conclude a French alliance, but they hesitated to take so decisive a step. Now Piero de' Medici, on his own authority, went to the king, who was lodging in an abbey near Sarzana, and yielded everything that he asked for. He promised him two hundred thousand ducats and the immediate surrender of Sarzana, Sarzanella, Pietrasanta, Libra Frata, 
pisa and leghorn as a pledge for the payment of the money the king promised to restore them at the end of the expedition the cowardice of piero roused the florentines to indignation capone cried that it was now time to get rid of the government of children and to recover liberty a new embassy was sent of which savonarola formed part they found the king at pisa which he had entered on november eighth with three thousand cavalry the pisans were only too glad to purchase the freedom of their city they threw down the sitting lions which were the emblem of florentine supremacy and cast them into the arno when piero de medici returned to florence he found the citizens united against him he tried to approach the signory but the door of the public palace was shut in his face his enemies rose in tumult the party of the medici were defeated in the streets and the three brothers piero giuliano and the cardinal giovanni were driven from the town after the departure of the medici the citizens exiled in fourteen thirty four were restored including the pazzi lorenzo and giovanni sons of pier francesco de medici were allowed to return being thought to be on the popular side on november seventeenth fourteen ninety four charles the eighth entered florence a canopy was supported by four florentine doctors and under this rode the king on a magnificent horse his coat was cloth of gold his cloak of blue and on his head he wore an enormous white cap so that he appeared as if he were nothing but horse and cap being a little man with a smiling face and a hooked nose and plenty of soldiers round him he bore his lance in rest as if he were entering a conquered town the terms finally arranged between the king and the people were that the medici should remain in banishment and florence should be free the fortresses should be held by the french till the end of the war and that the town should pay twenty thousand gold florins in three instalments toward the expense of the expedition the king at first proposed much harder conditions but piero capponi tore the paper in two and said since you demand dishonourable things you shall sound your trumpets and we will ring our bells from florence charles issued a proclamation declaring that his real object was to march against the turks and that he only asked for a passage through the roman territory alexander was in the greatest embarrassment he knew how insecure his position was that it was believed that he had obtained the tiara by simony and that all his enemies were ready to rise against him however he boldly refused the passage he forbade the king to advance any nearer he fortified the buildings of rome he even packed up and prepared for flight but the patrimony of st peter was undefended charles left florence on november twenty eighth and reached siena on december second where he was joined by cardinal giuliano della rovere he reached viterbo on december fourth he was received in a friendly manner by the orsini and lodged in the castle of bracciano alexander at last saw that resistance was hopeless he sent away the neapolitan garrison from the city commanded by the duke of calabria son of alfonso and came to terms with charles the king was to enter the city but not to cross the tiber into the borgo that is the part occupied by the vatican and st peter's the solemn entry took place on december thirty first 
no one was waiting for the army at the gates because the appointed day was january first fourteen ninety five the king was attended by eight cardinals among whom were giuliano della rovere and ascanio sforza the procession lasted from three in the afternoon till nine at night the greater part of it was conducted by torchlight it must have been a wonderful sight the motley swiss with their huge broadswords and plumes the ugly little gascon archers the gallant french cuirassier the thirty-six bronze cannon each eight feet long the king the most hideous of the human race at the head of his forty thousand troops there was some talk of deposing alexander in which case the world would never have heard of cesare borgia but the king had not the strength of mind enough to effect it the pope shut himself up in the castle of st angelo and rome was plundered by the french at last on january fifteenth fourteen ninety five a treaty was made with the pope by which he surrendered to charles terracina civitavecchia viterbo and spoleto cesare borgia was to accompany the king in his enterprise against naples gem the brother of the sultan bajazet who had been since the death of mahomet the second bandied about like a shuttlecock amongst the princes of italy was to remain with charles ostia continued in the possession of cardinal giuliano and an amnesty was accorded to the disaffected cardinals the effect of this treaty was to make charles master of the states of the church the following day the pope left the castle of st angelo and returned to the vatican where the king came to do him homage in return the pope conceded the cardinal's hat to briconet bishop of st malo pope and king then heard mass together in st peter's one thing alexander steadily refused to grant to charles the investiture of the kingdom of naples on january twenty eighth charles the eighth left rome accompanied by gem and cesare borgia he marched along the via latina the same which charles i of anjou had followed two hundred and twenty-nine years before his enterprise might to many have seemed quixotic alfonso had the reputation of being the chief captain of his time and enormously wealthy but as philip de comines has said cruel men are always cowards alfonso shut himself up in his castle in a state of abject terror the waves as they beat against the foot of his palace walls the leaves as they rustled in the wind seemed to repeat the burden france france on january twenty first he resigned the crown and his son ferrante the second or ferrantino reigned in his place the new king could make no resistance there was no fighting except a sharp skirmish on the frontier ferrantino fled to isernia and charles entered the capital on february twenty second a few days later the unfortunate gem died the french falsely said poisoned by the pope gem was the elder of the two sons of mohammed the second and if he had succeeded to the throne being a poet and a man of letters he might have carried out his father's design of fusing together the various races of which the turkish dominion was composed but bajazet being the first to hear of his father's death seized the crown 
on june twentieth fourteen eighty one the two brothers met in battle on the banks of the river yenishen jem was conquered and put to flight and took refuge in egypt after a second trial of fortune he determined to go to europe and to raise the standard of revolt against his brother he sought the protection of pierre d'aubusson master of the knights of st john and rhodes but he found himself little better than a prisoner as each european power regarded him as a valuable hostage d'aubusson sent jem to france and bajazet had to pay a yearly sum of forty-five thousand ducats for his maintenance jem was anxious to escape ferdinand and isabella of spain the kings of naples and hungary were all anxious to get hold of him at last after six years spent in france he was delivered over to the pope he entered rome on march thirteenth fourteen eighty nine in his first interview with innocent the eighth jem bewailed the bitterness of his lot and expressed his desire to return to egypt to the society of his wife and children he shed copious tears and the pope was much affected after the death of innocent he was shut up in the castle of st angelo the death of jem was a great misfortune to charles who had to give up his turkish plans and by it the pope lost forty thousand ducats which he received every year from bajazet for his brother's maintenance charles had conquered naples at a single blow and his success seemed little short of miraculous but while he was enjoying himself in that delightful city a storm was rising behind him already the ambassadors of ferdinand of aragon had torn up before his face the treaty of barcelona saying that it was broken by charles's attack on naples il moro began to be afraid that the duke of orleans might claim milan and that the french might occupy the whole of italy ferdinand of aragon dreaded the loss of sicily maximilian could not forget that italy had once owed allegiance in great part to the holy roman empire ambassadors from these discontented powers met in venice where philippe de comines the historian represented france a league was formed ostensibly against the turks but containing secret articles for the restoration of ferrantino the parties to it were the emperor maximilian ludovico il moro ferdinand of spain and the pope henry the seventh of england entered it a little later it was to last five and twenty years in the event of a war in italy each power was to contribute eight hundred cavalry and four thousand infantry except the pope who was only to contribute half that number if maximilian came into italy to receive the imperial crown venice and milan were each to send four hundred men-at-arms the league was solemnly proclaimed on palm sunday march thirty first fourteen ninety five this alliance is of great importance and may be regarded as the first serious attempt to secure the balance of power in europe we have reached the end of the middle ages charles after vainly endeavouring to persuade the pope to recognise him had himself crowned with great pomp in the cathedral of san januarius on may twelfth a week afterwards he set out on his return leaving about half his army in the kingdom as a garrison the pope fled at his approach but ordered that he should be received with every honour he re-entered rome on june first when he was offered apartments in the vatican which he did not accept he then proceeded northwards by orvieto and siena 
here savonarola came to him and bitterly reproached him with the excesses of his troops and with the grand opportunities which he had neglected he desired to avoid florence and passing through pisa prepared to cross the apennines his object was to reach asti where the duke of orleans was posted with a large army now was the time for italy to avenge herself the king was returning with a small force of fifteen thousand men having left the bulk of his army to garrison his towns if the army of the league could intercept him as he crossed the apennines he could be completely destroyed and the danger of french domination be crushed for ever four large rivers or rather torrents descend northwards from the apennines into the emilian plain one of these is the trebia on the banks of which hannibal won his celebrated victory over the romans the others are the reno the parma and the taro it was at fornovo on this last-named torrent that the army of the league determined to intercept the french king the battle was fought on july sixth fourteen ninety five it did not last an hour the allied army was four times as strong as the french but their generals committed two faults the marshal gonzaga allowed a large reserve to accumulate on the right bank of the taro where they were entirely useless and these soldiers who did not attack were chiefly occupied in plundering the french baggage the italians lost thirty-five hundred men and the french only two hundred the king was saved by the excellence of his horse savoy which had been given him by philippe de bresse charles the eighth arrived at asti on july fifteenth having got back much more safely than he could have expected or than he deserved the immediate results of the expedition into italy were slight even before the battle of fornovo the pope returned to rome and on the very day after it was fought ferrantino re-entered naples he did not enjoy his kingdom long he died without children on october seventh fourteen ninety six and the throne was taken possession of by his gifted uncle federigo count of altamura the deposed alfonso was already dead but the results of the expedition of charles in europe were more important it indeed deserves to be considered as the transition from the middle ages to modern times in the first place it revealed the renaissance to france and through her to the rest of europe the revival of learning beginning in italy gradually spread to all branches of human inquiry but it had scarcely touched france until the expedition of charles the eighth france is decidedly a most powerful distributor of culture and the french genius and language are specially fitted to make the discoveries of other nations the common property of the civilized world in the second place as we have already said the league of venice against charles the eighth is the first instance of a general combination of the powers of europe for a common object lastly this expedition marks the end of italian freedom we have yet to trace through a period of five-and-thirty years the dying struggles of that noble country but the death-blow has been already dealt and we shall see how state after state gradually sank into that sleep of insignificance which has only been broken in our own age perhaps it is a consolation that her final throes are decorated and in some measure concealed by the splendours of art and the enthusiasm of chivalry. End of section 18